Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. We just want to continue in our service this morning uh, called Attracting Abundance. This is week number two, and uh, we're going to continue looking at some principles that we can apply to our life uh, that position us for attracting more of the presence of God. Amen? Uh, A lot of people, when we start talking about abundance, we just think about stuff, material stuff. This is not what this series is about. It's about attracting more of the presence of God in our lives. Amen? And just a little, little testimony as well. Love what happening continues to happen in Sprouts. I mean, it's just awesome. Uh, I was at the RTA this week changing the uh, trailer registration. The lady behind the counter said, uh, have you got Sprouts? And I went, uh, well, yeah, there's Sprouts at our church. She says, oh, I love Sprouts, and then started to talk about a daughter that's sending a child to Sprouts. And I thought, how cool is that? Man, even at the RTA, they're talking about it. Then I went to Orilla Grove with Rach, and we're at the fruit and veg shop. And uh, a neighbour from across the road came and we started chatting and they said, have you got sprouts? I said, well, well, the church has got sprouts in it. And then she started to talk about how her daughter has a son that's in there on a Monday and a Friday. And I'm just so encouraged by the word getting out there. People are talking about the incredible things that are happening in that place out there. So well done to you, Ruth, and to the team, amen. Just Phenomenal what's happening there. People talk about um, when they bring their kids in there, what a great atmosphere is in there. Uh, That's the presence of God, amen. And that was our heart and our goal from day one. So it's so encouraging to see that taking place, amen. So we want to continue with this series this morning. You know, I think about where we live. Um, you've got to admit that we are so blessed to live where we live. I mean, if you don't wake up in the mornings and um, you know, look around and, and take a, a couple of moments to appreciate where we live, I think you're missing the whole point. I mean, we are so blessed to live where we are. Uh, the ocean, the beaches, uh, the lake, the whole escarpment. I mean, we are in such an amazing place. In fact, I was talking to someone last night and uh, they live in Wollongong and I said, we really feel sorry for you. But uh, we just love Shell Harbour. In fact, I said we're so glad we dodged the bullet with this council merger. In fact, I said if that had happened, I was going to move the city, amen, move from the city. But we were just reflecting on how beautiful and how blessed we are. And I think it's so important that we need to continually remind ourselves how blessed we are. Often we can forget the blessing of God that we're experiencing right now. Often we can take for granted all of the great things and all of the good things and all the blessed things that God has given to us. Amen. Even the very fact of of living in an area in a region like this, we are so, so blessed. In fact, if you were to compare our lives to someone, say, living in Vanuatu, then I would expect that we'd have to say, we are so, so blessed. Never forget how blessed you are. But this morning, I want to ask the question, uh, if you'd like to experience even more of God's blessing in every area of your life. And I ask, people last week to put their hands up and three people did but I'd be expecting that there'd be more people here today that would be wanting to experience more of the blessing of God in every area of their life and last week we looked at how we do that we looked at some words that Jesus spoke of in uh, the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 35 and we saw that he gave us a bit of an insight into setting ourselves up to attracting more of the abundance of God and these are the words that we looked at last week spoken by Jesus and if he's spoken them then they must be true amen 
They must be right. They must, they must have the potential to change our lives if we apply it to our lives. And he says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, speaking directly to us this morning. He says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we looked last week at one of the principles of uh, applying a principle to our lives that sets us up for attracting more of the abundance of God. And that was the principle of developing a generous heart. Amen? Developing a generous heart. The more generosity that we build within our lives and within our hearts, the more of the blessing of God, the more of the presence of God will, will attract as a result of that. So that was the first principle that we looked at, developing a generous spirit. A generous attitude. Amen. And we saw last week that there are a couple of different mindsets around what we have, uh, what we've been entrusted to. And one of the mindsets that we looked at is that many people can have the bag mindset. All I've got and all I'm, I'm able to, to work with is what's in the bag. That's the bag mindset individual. That's, that's all that they can think of. They can't go beyond what's in the bag. I'll never have more than what's in the bag. That's the first mindset that we looked at last week. And the second mindset that we looked at was the basket mindset. I'm generous with everything that God has given me. Amen? So one was the bag mindset and the other was the basket mindset. Two different mindsets when it comes to the thought of being generous. But we discovered last week that God wants us to develop a generous heart. And as we do that, we receive more of the blessing of God. Amen. So that was last Sunday morning, just touching on that. And this morning we want to look at uh, a few thoughts out of the Word of God again. And the title of this morning's message is this, The Abundance Test. The Abundance Test test. The thought is, you would think that the more blessed we are, the more we would give, the more generous we would be. That would be right, yeah? The more that we have, you would expect and think that, that we would be more generous with, with all that we have. But the truth is, studies have proven, very, very interesting, that as people's wages increase, as people's income increase, their giving actually decreases. Isn't that a crazy thought that studies have actually proven that as people's uh, uh, income increases, their generosity decreases? I find that thought absolutely mind-blowing. In fact, if you look at the United States, which is probably a, a similar culture to Australia, the average person and the average income gives about 3.1% of what they earn annually to charities. It's a national statistic there. That's what the average person gives. But those that make uh, much less than the average income, studies have found those whose annual income is under $10,000, well below the poverty line, they don't give 3.1%. Guess what they give? They give 5.2% of their income. Get that. And then they've also discovered, are you ready for this? This is crazy. Those who are on extra, extraordinary incomes, over $200,000 plus income, they don't give 3.1%. They don't give 5.2%. They actually give 0.7%, less than 1% of their income. What a crazy thought. You would think that the more that you would have, the more generous you would want to be, wouldn't you? Crazy, crazy thought. Well, what it proves is this, is that money, the more that you have, the less you will probably potentially give, and the more of your trust will be placed in your money. Your money. So the question this morning is this, why do we put so much trust in our money? Well, money promises only what God can provide. Let me show you four little things about this. Number one, money promises security. 
The thought is if I have more money, I'm going to feel more secure. You'll be more secure if you've got more money. The second thing that money promises well, money promises freedom. If you have more money, you will have more freedom. That's what money promises us. Counterfeit God. The third thought is this money promises power. If you have enough, you will be powerful. Yeah? And the fourth thought about money, what it promises us, money promises significance. If you have enough, you will be, feel so, so important. And the truth is this, listen to it this morning, because we're going to go somewhere in a moment with this thought. Money is a counterfeit God. If we are not careful, it will seduce us into loving it more than God. In fact, listen to what Jesus taught us. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, on the subject of money, he said this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to, the, to one and despise the other. What did he say? He said, you cannot serve both God and money, because Jesus understood that money is a counterfeit God unless we get control of it. Amen. And that's the principle that we want to look at this morning. How can we have money without money having us? Who likes money? Pretty cool, eh? Do all sorts of stuff with it. Buy a boat. Buy a bigger boat. Buy a big, big boat. We all love money. And it's a great thing. It's a great tool. But the truth is, you can love money all you want, but money will never love you back. Money is intended by God to be a tool for us to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what the purpose of money is. So how can we have money without money having us? Well, it's found in the Old Testament. There's a scripture that I want to read to you this morning. It's in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, and it says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the land, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. The tithe. Everyone say the tithe. I might upset some people this morning, and that's really, really good. Amen. I want to share this principle with you. I said last Sunday morning, um, I was speaking with a pastor a number of months ago, and we brought up the topic of um, tithing and giving, and he said, he said he would never speak about that to the church because he wouldn't want to offend anyone. And I there in my brain thought, that is absolutely crazy. If pastors and leaders aren't talking about tithing and giving, then potentially they're robbing the church. Amen. We're going to jump into it a little bit further this morning, but what is the tithe? The Hebrew word for the tithe is massah, and it means one-tenth. God was commanding them to give the first tenth or to encourage them that the first tenth of their income was meant to be set aside for the Lord. Amen. But you might be saying to me this morning, Shane, that's a part of the law. Um, yes, it is, and we're free from the law. It's, it's a great question, it's probably in your mind, and, but we have to understand something about tithing before we go too much further right now. Tithing was established 400 years before it was ever made a law. Hello? Tithing was a principle that was enacted in the Bible in Genesis chapter 14 before it ever became a law. 400 and odd years, 430 years I think it was, before it was made law, the principle of tithing was enacted, engaged. Amen? And I want to encourage you this morning, you might be here and just thinking, I don't tithe and I'm getting mad at that pastor, bald, big nose, big ears, all that stuff, and you're trying to pick more things about me right now. But 
I'm preaching the Word of God this morning because I believe with all of my heart, as we tithe and we bring God our first and our best, then God is able to bless us. Amen. He's able to bless us in ways beyond our understanding or our imagination. So we see here in Genesis uh, chapter 14 that tithing didn't start as a law. Tithing started as an act of worshipping God. And I believe today the principle of worshipping God through and by our tithe is a powerful thing that we get to do every week. I should go like that, 10, A, eh? Not six, 10. You happy? Let me continue because I believe it's got the potential to bless you this morning. Genesis chapter 14, we see it. It says, Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, who was a type of Christ, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe. 10% of all, 400 years before it was even made a law, tithing was a way of worshipping God. It was an act of worship. It was a way of dedicating a part of our lives to God. Amen? Now, for Rachel and I, we've been tithing our whole Christian lives, and we just, we just love tithing. We, we just think it's just the most powerful thing that we get to do every week. Amen. In fact, we don't even talk about it anymore. Or, or, or it just happens automatically because we're in such a habit of doing it. And you know, over the years, we continue to see God's hand of blessing upon our lives. Why? Because we're super smart. No. Super good looking. One half. Amen. But I've, I've just, we've just seen time and time again the hand of God, the hand of blessing upon our lives. I mean, I remember when we started out ministry all those years ago, we were on the grand total of $25,000 um, per annum for both of us. I mean, we were, we were high rollers all the way back then. I remember we bought, bought our first house. We had to sell Rachel's car to be able to get the deposit to buy the first house. I mean... I remember renovating our first home and, and uh, my brother came down and a couple of other friends came down and it was a little house in Wall's End and it was just crazy. We'd uh, renovate one part of the house, we'd vacuum that up and then we'd move everything into the other part of the house, we'd vacuum, uh, excuse me, renovate that. And move. I mean, it was just a, an amazing two or three days that we did that over. But as I look back on our lives, I'm astounded how much blessing God has brought over our lives in a number of ways, even financially. It does my head in, but you know, why? It's because we honor the Lord with the tithe. It's not because we're, we're super favored or super anything. It's because we honor God with the tithe. Every week we bring our best and we bring our first to God. Amen. And you're going to say a few more amens very, very shortly. So you might think that, you know, again, it's part of the law. But, you know, you see in the New Testament, have a, have a look here in Matthew chapter 23, 23, because some people say that tithing's of the Old Testament. No, I want to show you here, Jesus actually recommends and condones tithing because we see it says here, he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. He says, you know, great introduction. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy and faith. Those you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In this verse of scripture here, Jesus affirms the importance of the tithe. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're not tithing, I'm going to challenge you at the end of this series. Excuse me, challenge you at the end of this message this morning. So even though you might be sitting on your hands thinking, I want to leave and get out of this place right now, just be at peace because we're going to share something with you in a few moments' time that I think will be a magnificent blessing to your life. So Jesus affirms 
the principle of tithing. He affirms it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. I want to bring you this morning, before I just give you a couple other thoughts out of the Word of God, but I want to bring your attention this morning, because remember, in Genesis chapter 14, the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 14, we see that tithing was, was, was introduced through the Word of God as an act of worship, right? Okay. Then we go to the last book of the Old Testament, uh, the book of Malachi. These were some of the last words that God was speaking to the people. And then we understand from history, it was a period of time known as the Dark Ages, where God didn't speak by revelation, uh, only had the word. There was no revelation, direct speak from, speech from God until Jesus arrived. But I want to bring your attention to what God says to the people, to the people, his people, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And I'm going to read through verse 9, and then I'm going to draw a couple of thoughts out of this, because today I believe that this message has the potential to position you uh, for the full and the complete blessing that God would have for your life, for your business, for your family, for your marriage, etc. Something powerful happens as we honour God with our tithe. So he's speaking to his people. These, these are some of the last words that he's about to say in the Old Testament. Remember, we started um, the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 14, where tithing began. That's, that's where it began as an act of worship. But then we pick it up, some of the last uh, verses of Scripture that God speaks before He says no more for quite a period of time. So I think it's quite important to listen to how and why and what God challenges His people about. Amen? So listen to it this morning. So He says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? God said, you've moved away from me. You've, you've turned away from my ordinances. They come back and they say, well, tell us, how have we done that? You get the picture? So it goes on and says this, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are, oh, I don't even like reading this part. It says, you are cursed you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So right at the end of the Old Testament, before we go into that period of history where God speaks no more, God challenges his people on how he views the tithe and how important that is to God. So much so that God Almighty says, hey, you're robbing me. You're robbing me how? You're robbing me by not bringing the tithe as I've ordained it to be brought. Amen? So this morning, we just want to look, not from law, but from love today. What I want to do is just share with you this morning three things to show you three areas uh, where blessing of the tithe comes. Amen? Three areas of blessing. When we bring the tithe, this is what takes place. Are you ready for it this morning? And then I'm nearly done. Amen? Number one, the first thought. Not from law, but from love. When I bring my tithe to the house of God, the tithe provides for God's work through His church. Listen to it again. The tithe provides for God through His church. In Malachi chapter uh, ten, excuse me, chapter three, verse ten a. It says this: Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse in the Old Testament is a picture of the church in the New Testament. Amen. Come on. That's, that's what he's saying there, uh, the storehouse. 
bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the thought this morning is, what do we do with the tithe each week as it comes into the church? Well, there's a number of things that we do. We pay for the electricity. We pay for people that are on staff, those that are in full-time ministry. Every uh, week we send 10% of that money uh, to church planning in Australia. Uh, we support out of the tithe. We, we support uh, Bruce Hills. Uh, the tithe pays for the work of Vanuatu, what takes place over there. It empowers the work of our youth ministry, our children's ministry, our food care, our city serve, all the ministry areas, all the teaching resources. It makes this place where we come each Sunday just so amazing. Do you know how blessed we are to be able to have church in a place like this? Hello? And, you know, I, I don't go every Sunday morning to the back of the church to the money tree and pull down, take off all the money leaves for all the bills and stuff like that. No, God said bring all of the tithe into the storehouse. Why? So that the storehouse, the church, could function the way. That's God's way of paying for His work. Don't you love the wisdom of God? I just think it's astounding. Absolutely astounding. The Bible says to bring the whole tithe into the, into the storehouse, into the house of God, so that there may be food in my house. And that's what's happening today. Many of us, as we bring our tithe into the storehouse, are receiving spiritual food from God. In fact, I believe that there is a direct correlation between us tithing and our ability to be able to receive spiritual food from heaven. I believe that with all of my heart. You might not like that or you might disagree with that, but for me, I believe that with all of my heart. As I bring uh, my tithe into the house of God, it positions my heart to receive from God the spiritual food that He's intended for me for that day. Amen? You're so quiet. It's right, though. So number one, the tithe provides for God's work for His church. Number two, the second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. The tithe teaches me to put God first. Teaches me to put God first. In fact, in today's Living Bible translation, it says it this way in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. It says, The purpose of the tithe is to teach me to put God's first. Amen. The purpose of the tithe is to teach me to put God's first. You know, Jesus said, Jesus, <laughs> you mightn't come back next week now. Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. Hello. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. Guess what? If my tithe, my treasure is in the house of God every Sunday, guess where my heart is going to follow? Guess where my heart is going to be? I won't get up on a Sunday morning, oh, golly, I've got to go to church. You know, it's just terrible. Oh, man. Preachers say, oh, long and blah, blah, blah. No, if I've got my treasure in the house of God, my heart follows that. Amen? And that's a powerful principle just there. If you want to up the ante of your relationship with God, then start to bring your first and your best into the house of God because your heart will follow that. Hallelujah. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I choose to put God first. It might mean for some of us, we don't drink that expensive coffee to put God first. For some of us, to put God first, it might mean that we don't have foxtail any longer installed in our homes. To put God first, it may mean that I might need to drive my car for five years instead of three years to put God first. 
For others, it may not be, uh, be to, to get you know, season tickets to my favourite sporting event to put God first. But I want to say this to us this morning. I'm telling each of us this morning that we have the honour of rearranging and reprioritising our lives around the purposes of God. Amen. And tithing is the way that we do that. So it provides for the work of God through his church and it teaches me to place God, to put God first in my life. And number three, the third thought, and I'm just about done with that, is this. If you're taking notes again, the tithe, it increases my faith in God. The tithe, it increases my faith in God. The tithe increases my faith in God. This is what it does. It teaches me that 90% with the blessings of God go further than 100% without it. For those that are tithers here this morning, You'll be probably shaking your head on the inside and uh, acknowledging in your heart. You've done the math. You don't know how it works out. But you see, to continually be blessed by God, even though sometimes it just doesn't add up. Amen. Why? Well, this is what it says as we conclude this morning. I want to leave us today with the abundance test. Ready for a test? Abundance test. I believe that God uses money as a test. Not only that, in this last scripture, he also lets us test him back. So God uses money as a test, but in this last verse of scripture, God also says that we can test him in this area. Listen to what it says in Malachi chapter 3, uh, 10. It says this, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Who'd like that? That's in Malachi chapter 3. That's after the Lord rebukes them and says, Hey, you need to reprioritize your life. You're missing this principle here. I want to bring more blessing over your life, but you're cursed with a curse because you're not bringing and honoring me with your first and your best. And then it goes on to say, as I said there, he's going to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. But the thought is this to leave you with this morning. God says, put me to the test, right? Just listen to this thought here. Just bear with me for a couple more minutes. In the Bible, here's the thing. There are numbers that represent different things. Number seven is God's number. It's the, it represents the number of perfection, right? You know that? But then there's another number as well, six. It's less than perfection. That's Satan's number, six, six, six. Okay? Numbers mean something in the Bible. Ten in the Bible is often seen as a picture or a number of testing. Ten. Right? A couple of thoughts for you this morning before I give you the abundance test. The thought is this. Think about when God tested us for obedience. How many commandments did he give us? Say it aloud. Ten commandments. When God tested Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament, how many plagues did he send to test Pharaoh's heart? Ten. In the New Testament, how many virgins were tested to see if they were prepared to return to the bridegroom? How many were there? There were ten. How many lepers were healed to test to see who could come back to give gratitude to Jesus? How many were there? There were ten. And then how many disciples did Jesus have? There were... I'm just testing you. Just testing you. <laughs> Ten is the number of testing. And God wants to know, will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? Will you return the ten to God? And here's the deal as we conclude this morning. I just want to encourage 
you today with that. We don't teach tithing as law. Uh, do, do we believe in the principle of tithing? Absolutely. Are we ashamed about speaking about it? Never. As a local church, we love the principle of tithing and giving. We just believe in it with all of our hearts. But I know that there would be a number of people that may not tithe. Uh, you might struggle with that idea. Money may really have a grip. I've had conversations with people and we've talked about should you pay in your gross or should you pay in your net and you know the, 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 the discussions just go on and on and on and on and I know this though that this is the only area that God says test me in it. It's the only area in the whole Bible where God says test me. In other words you start doing it and then see what I will do as a result of it. Amen? And I believe for many people for 2019, you, you have the ability, I, I would encourage you with all of my heart this morning, put God to the test. Test him for two months and see what takes place. In fact, if you tithe for two months, you write it down, you put your name and your details on there. If you tithe for two months, at the end of that two months, you say it's, it just hasn't happened, nothing's happened in my life, then we'll refund your tithe, amen. Because we just believe in it. Now, if you write it down... You make it very clear to Wendy, she's not here this morning. Oh, we believe in it that much that if you got to the end of eight weeks and nothing significant took place in your life, then we would return it to you. Amen? Because we just know that tithing works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much today. So much for the principles that you've given us in order for us to be able to attract more of your presence in our families, in our homes, in our lives, Lord. And Father, this morning, I just pray today that there would be not one heart that would feel like there's anything other than the intention of just seeing people further receive the full blessing that you have for them. So today, Lord, we just thank you. Speak to our hearts in this area. If, if there are people here today that struggle with the thought of tithing and giving, Lord, then I just pray you release and your blessing over them today. We just know that what you've put in your word it's the only area that you've said, prove me, test me, try me in this area. No other place in Scripture, Father, have you said that in relation to this area of our lives and our worlds. So, Father, release people today to put you to the test, to see that you are faithful. You are willing to open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing in so many magnificent ways. And everybody said, Amen.